Hey Husker fans, welcome to another episode of the Husker Big Red Podcast with Chris Peterson and Danny Gillette. As always, go Big Red. Good morning, Husker fans. Welcome back to the Husker Big Red YouTube channel. I'm Chris Peterson of HuskerBigRed.com. Joining me this morning is Danny Gillette of TheGreatCornholio.org. And Danny, it is a victory Monday. We've got our first win, our first Big Ten win in almost a year. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. I mean, victory Monday, you can't get any better than that. Our first win since uh, last year's first weekend in October with Northwestern. So, you know, maybe there's something about the first weekend of October that brings out the best in the Huskers. But as we'll get into in a little bit, there was a lot more than that to take away from Saturday night's game. Yeah, it was like we were talking before uh, before we came on air here. It was like a different team, especially, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. There was just a different energy. Um, it was great to see, you know, a lot of the things that, I mean, uh, you know, a scoreless second half, you know, by the defense. You know, we saw, I think, three sacks. Um, they got a lot of pressure. You know, the offense, um, there were you know, kind of some hiccups along the way, but they executed and, and they got things done when they needed to. Two nice drives when the game was on the line. Um, but man, you know, the I like that Mickey Joseph got the game ball, but, uh, you know, Bill Bush, I would give him a game ball, you know, right along with Mickey and, you know, give him credit, give Mickey Joseph credit for making the move. But Bill, Bill Bush so far, I mean, he's like my biggest takeaway from Saturday is, uh, you know, the defense that looked like the defense, you know, we expected to see at the start of the season. And, man, that's a defense this team can win some games with if they can keep playing that way. Absolutely. And uh, we, we talked about it last week. They talked about simplicity and, you know, lining up faster. And, you know, it's like at first I thought, oh, you know, it's great to hear. Like, but we always hear that, you know, be better, blah, 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 rah, rah, rah. But then when the game actually started, you know, it looked to me – as if the players were comfortable defensively, you know, they knew where they needed to be. And they also just kind of, you know, made, made things easy. They didn't try to, you know, go out in any, you know, super formations. They, they played press on coverage, you know, they did just the little things right. And it was very noticeable on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, the, the tackling was a huge difference. I think they had, you know, like only six missed tackles when they were averaging, you know, 13 or 14 or something along those lines. Um, there was a few, you know, personnel differences, but for the most part, you know, it was a lot of the same personnel. I mean, they used a lot of the, you know, Gifford played a lot. They only used, you know, basically four defensive backs, you know, for most of the game. It's not like they, you know, changed things up in terms of, you know, playing a defensive back in that nickel spot, you know, like Omar Brown, you know, we didn't see him at all. We, we, he uh, got moved to that nickel position, but, you know, it was Isaac Gifford and, uh, you know, he did a good job. I mean, uh, Luke Reimer had his best game of the season in coverage. And so, you know, maybe it really was a factor of these guys just, you know, the scheme and, and Shenander was maybe just trying to do too much with them and putting these guys in a position to, uh, you know, do things that they're not great at doing. You look at a player like Ty Robinson, he's a player that we've really kind of ragged on, and he hasn't shown up much this season, but he showed up on Saturday night, and he had, you know, four total tackles, a sack, and a tackle for a loss. And, you know, he, I thought, was kind of the embodiment of what we saw 
uh, out of the defense on Saturday. He played like we know he can, and he played like we thought he could. He was aggressive. He w- got into the backfield a couple times. He made tackles. He didn't seem uncomfortable. He seemed like he knew his assignment. It seemed like it was simplified to, you know, get in the backfield. That's your assignment. And he made the plays. He didn't try to do anything too crazy. He just went out and made the plays. And it was great to see somebody like him, as well as the entire defense, kind of take on that line of thinking. And it paid off. Yeah, I mean, Ty Robinson, we have, you know, been pretty harsh on him this year because he just really hasn't delivered. But, you know, Saturday night um, in the fourth quarter, you know, he came up with that huge sack. And I thought that that was you know, kind of the uh, deal breaker for Indiana. It just really felt like, you know, once he got that sack, you know, Nebraska got the ball back, was able to put a drive together. But I just, I really felt like once Ty Robinson got that sack, I just was like, man, we're not losing this game. This is ours to win. Yeah, and, you know, when you look at his highlights, I'm just talking about Robinson, you know, he can do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, there was a reason that the entire coaching staff at the time flew out to go recruit him. They saw his potential, and it you know, to this point, it hasn't been untapped at Nebraska. Saturday night, we saw a little bit of that. And, you know, it was great to see him get involved. And it was great to see, you know, freshmen get involved, too, when called upon. And the guy I'm referring to, and you know who I'm talking about, is Malcolm Hartsock. Yeah, he, uh, you know, got the start. And, uh, you know, he made he was huge. I mean, uh, you know, had a couple of pass breakups. I think he allowed like one completion, but man, he was just all over the place. You know, they, they blocked the punt, scooped it up and ran in. And that was obviously, you know, a game changer. That was like something we haven't seen, you know, since Bull Pelini was the coach, right? You know, like making a big play on special teams and getting some defensive points. I mean, that used to happen quite regularly. And uh, this defense has not been like a ball hawking defense the last few years. And that totally flipped the momentum because you had that series, you know, where like, uh, you know, Thompson and Whipple were screaming at each other. Whipple was pissed. And then Purdy went in there and fumbled. And, you know, like a Scott Frost team, a normal Nebraska team, they just would have fallen apart after that. And uh, this team didn't do that. Even after they blew a 21-7 lead, you know, you kind of thought, same old, you know, same old Nebraska. They're going to do this again. And they still found a way in the fourth quarter to win a game, which is something they basically could not do under Scott Frost. And so kudos to Mickey Joseph. He did a hell of a job. Absolutely. And I kind of wrote about this um, yesterday. I wrote about a lot yesterday, but I wrote about this yesterday. Um, just to kind of touch back on Hartzog, uh, Nebraska, you know, they've, they've had some very good secondary players over the years, Lamar Jackson and uh, DiCaprio Boodle, to name a few. And they've kind of struggled to develop corners. And, you know, they've kind of struggled. They've wanted, like, when those guys have gone, you know, there's been big holes in the secondary. And, you know, they've kind of, you know, we saw what they did in the transfer portal, getting Tommy Hill, you know, getting uh, Jaden Gould for the 2022 class, but they've kind of struggled to develop corners since then. And yes, I know it's only been a couple of years, but good programs can churn out corners like that. You know, they have one ready to go every year. And so the good, the good you know, overall play by um, Hartzog on Saturday I mean, that gives me hope because if we can continue to churn out, you know, solid corners year after year, then there won't be as big a need. There won't be like, oh, no, this guy is leaving for the NFL or, oh, no, this guy is entering the transfer portal. What do we do now? We don't need to do that anymore. 
Yeah, it was good. You know, I just I like to see that you know he was aggressive and up near the line of scrimmage, and that he could actually make a play. You know, on the ball, it's one thing to you know have coverage, but you got to be able to you know knock the ball away and you know kind of be a ball hawk. And he showed that you know he's got that ability. He got a couple. He got his hands on a couple of passes. You know, scooped up that um, you know that uh, blocked punt for a touchdown. You know, so Nebraska needs more guys like that. You know, Quinton News. I just thought the secondary as a whole, you know, they just were more, uh, more aggressive. They weren't giving up those easy completions. They were challenging people. And, uh, you know, I just thought it was good to see, um, you know, it was interesting that, you know, I noticed that Bill Bush was using some, you know, three, uh, three man fronts, you know, I saw Devin drew Wynn, and Ty Robinson out there quite a bit. And I think that's why, you know, Indiana only got 67 rushing yards. I mean, you know, Nebraska, that the offensive line wasn't great, but they ran the ball 51 times, 150 yards, and uh, Indiana got like 67. And if you if you double your opponent's rushing yards, you're going to win a lot of games. I mean, football is not that complicated. We've talked about that. So, you know, I liked a lot of things that I saw. I liked the fact that they, you know, fed the football to, uh, you know, Anthony Grant. And I like to see Gabe Irvin really have a strong game as well. We were kind of looking uh, about the – number two running back with the injury to A.J. Allen. And I thought Grant had, I mean, Grant, I thought, uh, well, Grant and Gabe Irvin had strong games as well. Grant had 136 yards rushing, and Irvin had six rushes for 21 yards. But they weren't, you know, just, you know, two two yards of carry and then get completely stopped. They were hard-earned carries. So I liked the, to see Irvin get involved. I like to see Yant get involved, even if it was only for a little bit on the touchdown. And it was good to see, you know, Anthony Grant, 32 carries for 136 yards. I mean, he is just something special to watch. He is so, so special. And, you know, they kind of asked him towards the later parts of the game. I can't remember if it was the third or the fourth quarter, but there was one drive in particular that chewed up a lot of time on the clock. And, you know, Grant was able to help really stabilize the offense on that drive and put the nail in the coffin for Indiana. Yeah, and, you know, I have to give credit, too, to, uh, you know, on the last touchdown drive, you know, on the Casey Thompson touchdown run, man, Chancellor Brewington just absolutely lit a guy up for Indiana, you know, coming off a, like a, t- a tight end pull and allowed Casey to walk into the end zone. And that was the kind of execution that, Nebraska just hasn't had, you know, just go out down there and, you know, finish the game off. So it was great to see that. And, you know, it was great to see, you know, Casey's 70 uh, yard pass to Trey Palmer. It felt like, you know, Casey just needed like a, some confidence in that moment. You know, the fourth quarters and stuff haven't gone well. So I think to hit Trey there, and I mean, let's talk about this guy. He's got almost, I think he's got over 400 yards receiving. He's on pace for like 1200 yards. I mean, you look at Nebraska, we could easily have, you know, a 12,000 yard, yeah, 1,200-yard rusher and a 1,200-yard receiver, plus maybe a 3,000-yard passer in Casey Thompson. So, like, this offense is legit as much as the offensive line has struggled. Like, the offense can move the ball on just about anybody. I mean, outside of Oklahoma, there were some issues there. But, you know, I feel pretty confident looking at the rest of the schedule. This team's going to score points. It's just a matter of, you know, can this defense replicate that performance from Saturday night? And if Drake... And if Trey Palmer keeps playing like he played on Saturday night, he may have 12,000 yards by the end of the season. (laughs) (laughs) He has 480 right now, uh, 36 receptions, two touchdowns, uh, 13.3 yards per catch on the season. But Saturday night, he absolutely exploded. Eight receptions for 157 yards, 19.6 yards per reception, 
And, you know, that 71-yard touchdown from the arm of Casey Thompson, first of all, that throw was an absolute bomb from Thompson. I was watching the throw on the TV, and they had, you know, how they show when the throw in the deep view angle, and I just kept looking up and up and up, and I just kept seeing the ball. And right there, Trey Palmer was there to grab it, and, boy, he utilized his speed. The defender was gone in a hot minute, and Trey Palmer just raced to the end zone for the touchdown. And, honestly, they, they need to do more of that. They need to open up the playbook, open up the deep throws a little bit more because I feel very confident in Trey Palmer against, you know, probably any corner. Uh, he has that type of speed where he is a matchup nightmare for anybody involved and credit to Nebraska here too. They knew that Trey Palmer was a matchup advantage against the Indiana secondary and they went out and exploited it very, very well. And they just kept feeding him the ball and, it was a recipe for success, and it was fun to watch. Yeah, and really, if you look at Trey Palmer, man, I mean, almost every single game this year, even the Oklahoma game, you know, he produced some stuff. So there hasn't been a team yet that's been able to cover it. I mean, really, the biggest issue has been, you know, Casey Thompson just not having time. That's the only thing that's really slowed down, you know, this pass offense. Because, I mean, like, Bokalek doing nice things. I think Marcus Washington has done. Like, if you look at the transfer portal guys at receiver, they were all basically, you know, hits. I have to give Oliver Martin credit. You know, he caught a 39-yard touchdown pass. So, you know, those guys are kind of proving me wrong. But, hey, I love it. You know, like, I don't care, man. If I if I talk about these guys and say, you know, bad things and they go and score a touchdown next week, like, that's awesome. I love, I love it. I love to, uh, you know, get proven wrong, especially in a positive side of things for – you know, Nebraska, but yeah, big time plays from uh, Oliver Martin, you know, Vocalex, you know, kind of uh, easing into that role. And, you know, yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be really interesting because, you know, we've got four days here and then boom, we're right back at it with uh, with Rutgers. And I think is a winnable game, but it's going to be a tough game on the road too. Tough game, quick turnaround, short rest, Friday night. I don't know why, well, I don't know why Rutgers has these stupid Friday night games because everybody... That's high school football day on Friday night, and I, I mean, I guess, I guess it's to get more eyes for Rutgers, but I don't, I don't really, think you'll ever see that on the. I don't think you'll ever see Nebraska playing at home on a Friday no, 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 night. No, no, no. Absolutely just, not. No way. Yeah, There's, I guess high school football in New York is not, or New Jersey, New York, wherever they are, is not as, uh, not as strong. But yeah, it's gonna be interesting, and you know. Kind of circling back just for a second here to Casey Thompson. He he has over 1,000 yards on the season, 1,265. And on Saturday, he averaged 10, 10 yards a throw. And, you know, he had those two touchdowns. So I think it's just a matter of the line giving him time, like you mentioned. Yeah, I had him, you know, I predicted him for 300 yards. And I thought he was going to get there and you know, didn't quite do it but you know that's that's fine with me he he still did what I thought he was going to do and you know the offensive line I think you know they've been much maligned but we should give them some credit I'm not saying that they played perfect and they're not going to play perfect there there's injuries I mean if you look at it you know two of the two of the top starters you know your entire left side of the starting line has been injured and uh you know Williams got hurt too which was one of your other you know so like you're looking at three of your top eight guys are hurt right now and so it's just a unit that's going to have to scrape it together. Donovan Real is just going to have to do the best job he can do every week. And there were some warts on Tuesday or on Saturday night. But like I said in one of my posts, 
with good coaching, you can win with a couple warts. You know, if you got one wart or two, you like you can cover it up. You can't have warts all over the field. So if, if the offensive line is our only concern, especially on the offensive side of the ball, I think we can work around it. And the one thing is those guys have shown at least they can do some things in the running game, although I was slightly concerned. You know, if you look at Anthony Grant's night, 132 yards, his longest run was 17. And that tells you that this offensive line didn't open up like a big, you know, he didn't get like a 30 or 40 yard chunk play. Like he ground out all those yards. And so it would be nice to see, you know, some, open, some, some bigger holes from the offensive line. But I think the way they played Saturday night, for the most part, Nebraska can at least work with that. It wasn't Oklahoma, for instance. Yeah, and I mean, Grant has shown that he can work with a bad offensive line all season. I mean, he is he is just crazy to watch. The way he can cut, the way he can move, his vision. I mean, there's a reason, you know, he's climbing up the ranks in terms of Big Ten running backs. Right now, he has 600, <laughs> he has 600 rushing yards and five touchdowns and is averaging 5.3 yards on the season with that line. So I think... I think Grant is going to be all right, but boy, is he something special, man. He is really, really special. Yeah, he's going to be, you know, if you look at uh, the race for like all Big Ten running back, it's he's right there with Blake Corum. I mean, I don't, you know, Blake Corum in Michigan's having a great season. I know Travion Henderson from Ohio State's really good. I haven't honestly looked at his numbers that much. You know, I know there's Mo Ibrahim from uh, Minnesota, but if you're talking about the best running backs in the Big Ten right now, Anthony Grant's name has got to be included there because. Like, if you put Anthony Grant behind, like, Michigan's offensive line, just, like, think about the kind of numbers this dude would be putting up. I mean, he is spectacular. I don't I don't think that there's very many – I don't think that there's five running backs in the country that are better than him just in terms of running the football. What a find he was, and that's a credit to Brian Applewhite, too. We talk about what Brian Applewhite's doing on the recruiting trail. Uh, he really started his work, um, you know, obviously when he got here, and Anthony Grant – was a huge find and boy it's it's just so exciting to watch him because you know when he gets the football no matter if it's for a loss or you know for a game he's gonna try to make something out of it and you know that's something we didn't always see from running backs last season but you know Grant is just he's a game changer yeah he is and you know Trey Palmer is one we've talked about that and I, I think that I like what Casey Thompson is bringing you know I think you know, Chuba, I'm not going to blame him for that fumble that, you yeah. know, I mean, sure. He should have had better ball awareness, but that a doesn't mean, spot. yeah, that doesn't mean the guy can't play or anything like that. But, but at the same time, this is Casey's team. I also though, I do like that. There's more accountability. You know, I, I don't mind that they pulled him for a little bit. Like my thing is this team has had just, it's been so maligned. There's been so many mistakes. Like if you mess up, you're going to get pulled. You're going to get screamed at. There's going to be accountability. Tommy Hill is being held accountable. I'm assuming for, for not only his terrible play, but quitting against, you know, Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, he got benched because of it. And he's not the only guy who got benched. And looking the way things are looking, got more guys are going to get benched if they don't perform. And that's how it should be. I mean, everybody here is on a scholarship for a reason. And it's time to play up to that expectation or let somebody else try it. And I love that philosophy. The guys who were benched on Saturday should have gotten benched either for poor performance or just, you know, not caring. And, the guys who came in for them really played well. And, you know, now it's one of my uh, Twitter followers said jobs were won and lost on Saturday. And I completely agree. One thing though, I do have to give Tommy Hill credit, man. Like when Herzog scored that touchdown, the first, one of the first guys to meet him on the sideline was Tommy Hill. And I think that that yeah. says a lot, you know, cause that guy took his job, but that doesn't mean that 
Nebraska is still going to need those guys. Like you're not going to make it through the season with right. corners. Right? right. So I, you know, I think that that was good that, you know, however they went about that, you know, Mickey and the staff were able to say, Hey, just because you're in this spot doesn't mean you're not going to get another opportunity later. But, um, but I, I like that. So, you know, I like that uh, Mark Whipple, you know, not saying that he has called everything perfect, but I liked him getting in Casey's face, you know, like, that's the kind of uh, that's the kind of energy just we, we didn't see with Scott Frost, you know, his staff on the sideline all the time. And, you know, I, I just love to see it, that accountability, that uh, that passion, you know, that passion of, you know, we need to find a way to get this right. And you're better than this. That's that's the thing is, is Mark Whipple knows what kind of quarterback Casey Thompson can be. And uh, and he played like it, you know, once he got his his chance to reenter the game. And I think that, you know, kudos to Casey too. It's not always easy to get benched and come back and uh, make some plays. And he did that. So, you know, kudos to all the Nebraska guys. They really came together and, and put together their best win in a long time. I mean, we haven't won a big 10 game in almost a year. So this was a huge freaking win for Nebraska. Absolutely. And honestly, you know, you can make the case, oh, Indiana's two top wide receivers were out and this, that, and the other thing. To Indiana's credit, I thought their backup receivers did pretty well. I thought they did really well, and, you know, they gave Nebraska a challenge. Uh, Jalen Davis, I believe, was their running back, saying he was extremely fast. Boy, he took off, especially on that 34-yard run to end the half. You know, he's a smaller guy, but those smaller guys like the Darren Sproles types, they're fast. And, you know, credit to Indiana for kind of just making do with what they have and it was a very entertaining game, and that's not something we uh, have said in a little bit. No, it hasn't. Uh, you know, and it, it was, you know, thinking back on it, you know, it was kind of cool if people didn't see, you know, like said after the game, you know, Trev Alberts was in the locker room and he gave Mickey Joseph, you know, the game ball. And so I thought, you know, we could talk about who our game balls, you know, should go to Danny. So, you know, I know I'm kind of bringing this up, you know, just uh, kind of out of the cold, but who, you know, if you were, if you were to give out like an offensive, defensive, and coaching game ball, who would the, who would each of those go to? All right, coaching Bill Bush. Um, do I have to give an explanation, or do you want to just rattle off names? <laughs> However you want to do it. Bill Bush. I mean, I'll just say really quickly. He he, uh, you know, really put his players in a position to succeed. He got the players to play for him, and he got the players to buy in. It would have been very easy for the defensive unit to fold, but they didn't, and they look like they are on board with what he brings to the table. Uh, offense, Trey Palmer. I mean, there were a couple of guys that really shone on offense, but Trey Palmer, he was just electric. Uh, you know, he is a game changer. He is Nebraska's number one receiver, and I'm excited to see uh, where he goes the rest of the season, how he plays, and I can see why Mickey absolutely loved him. And defense is a little bit tough. Defense is tough. Uh, there were a bunch that deserved the game ball. Um, hmm. Luke Reimer. Yeah, I'm going to say Luke Reimer. I think, you know, he made that interception, if I remember correctly. And yeah, that was huge. You know, we were kind of dogging on the linebackers for, you know, these linebackers are supposed to be so good and they're, you know, they're not performing up to their standards. And this looked like the Luke Reimer of last year. And it was really great to see him attack, see him hopefully get back on track and see him play at a high level and in some very big moments throughout the night. Yeah, he was flying around. He looked faster to me. He just looked like a different player. And that was, that was the whole defense. I don't know if it was just 
them not thinking as much, but they definitely played faster. And yeah, I think my coaching game ball goes to Bill Bush too. You know, just uh, the simple fact that he was able to make halftime adjustments and shut out Indiana over the second half, two of 15 on third downs. I mean, that third down has absolutely killed Nebraska over the last few years. And to, to hold somebody to two of 15, I thought was huge. Um, my offensive game ball, I'm going to give it to Casey Thompson. Um, I know he didn't play a perfect game. Um, I think, you know, Trey Palmer and Anthony Grant probably just had better overall performances, but I thought he really set the tone, you know, with his, with his drive. And then, uh, you know, that perfect pass to Trey Palmer, you know, Nebraska doesn't win that game without him making that play. So I'm going to give him my offensive game ball. My defensive game ball is going to Garrett Nelson. He had two sacks. He finally looked like a dominant player, an all big 10 kind of player like Luke Reimer is another guy who's been talked about like as an all big 10 performer. And, uh, you know, he was all over the place, you know, he had two sacks, but he also had a few other, I think he had like five or six total pressures. So it wasn't like, you know, he just got a couple of plays there. It was consistent pressure. And man, if, if he can bring that, if Mathis could bring it, Caleb Tanner had like five, he didn't get a sack, but he had, he was pressures. involved. He was involved. Yeah. yeah. He had, he did have five or six, you know, pressures and, and I don't know why those guys weren't being, you know, it seems like Caleb Tanner didn't get as many chances to rush the passer earlier. I'm not sure why that is, but you know, those, those three guys got to keep it up and Ty Robinson too, you know, if Nebraska is going to keep this role going, because it, it, I mean, it's funny, it's one win, but it feels like five to me. It feels like Nebraska's like on a five game winning streak. I think that's been so long since we had like a legitimate win to celebrate. Well, that and the fact that it seems like this team, like it's an entirely different feel around this team. You can sense, you know, players, feel more comfortable. I mean, you can see it, especially defensively. You can see players feeling more comfortable. You can kind of sense a different energy in the air. I mean, you know, I'm excited to see what they do on Friday and see if they can continue to build off this because, you know, if this team keeps playing like they did on Saturday night with us, being first in the Big Ten or tied for first in the Big Ten West, tied who first, knows? Baby. Yeah, who knows? It's it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And then to still lead a lot that, to I play guess. for. Yeah, still a lot to play for. A lot to play for. And who would have thought, man? Who would have thought that Nebraska and Wisconsin would be without head coaches? You know, in the first after the first week of October, it's just crazy. I think Wisconsin made a huge mistake, but that's just my opinion. You do? You don't think firing Chris was a good move? No, I mean, because Wisconsin's been consistent, I mean, for the majority of his tenure. So, I also don't think firing Chris was a good move because I think Lance Leopold uh, shoots up Wisconsin's uh, coaching board. But, you know, I just think it was, I, I mean, Wisconsin's been pretty consistent over the past couple of years and. As we know, consistency is hard to find in college football, so I don't, I don't really like the move by Wisconsin, and we'll see what comes out of it. And also, that game against Wisconsin now looks a little bit more winnable. Yeah, they're not. Uh, they're, you know, they are struggling, and it's interesting, you know, that they so they have a much different situation because it's like people have been talking about Jim Leonard being the guy there since last year. You know, Chris was kind of on the hot seat. They started uh, three and three last year, but really got blown out by Michigan and Notre Dame. And so, you know, they finished strong, but then they, all they had to do was beat Minnesota to beat, make the big 10 West or the big 10 title game lost that. And then, I mean, you lose at home to 
a Washington State and then just get your doors blown off by Indiana, I mean, Illinois and your own head coach. So I can see, I think the other reason too is um, if they don't move Jim Leonard up, you know, like if they don't give him this chance, they're going to lose him to somebody else. I mean, he's just, he's not going to stay there and be the defensive court. So I think to me, I'm not that worried about Dave Aranda and Lance Leopold there. If if Jim Leonard has a good season, if he wins, he'll be the head coach. I mean, it's, this isn't even like a Mickey Joseph. Like, I think Mickey has a chance. I think I think this is Jim Leonard's job to lose. If he does, you know, if he doesn't put together a winning season, then maybe he'll be gone. But I think the interim title with him is a little looser than like with Mickey. I think that the the uh, idea is like if he can even go do like you know just get this team turned around, get to a bowl game, and which isn't going to be that hard at Wisconsin. He's going to be the head coach. So I think it's just a matter of you know I, I think the Badgers have. You know, they're sitting there saying like, hey, are we going to stick with Paul Chris and then watch Nebraska or somebody hire Jim Leonard and have him be a great coach? And then you're firing Paul Chris like in a year or two because he still is. I mean, he had the one good year, but um, every other year he's lost three or four games, which I mean, that's that's Wisconsin. But, you know, I, I can see why they made the move. And I think Jim Leonard and kind of the coaching, you know, carousel had a big reason, had, had a big role in that. Yeah, I suppose it was the right time. It's just, I mean, in comparison to us, Wisconsin has the consistency that we would kill for, you know? I mean, I guess it's the grass is a little bit greener on the other side. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I mean, someone kind of hypothetically, uh, you know, put his name in the, in the in the Nebraska coaching search. But I think... Um, I think, you know, we have a solid list of candidates and I think I have my, uh, top three or my coaching board, so to speak. I think I finally kind of, yeah. What is it? What's your top three? Okay. Yeah, what... So my top three is yeah. Dave Aranda, Lance, yeah. Lance Leopold and Mickey Joseph. And Mickey Joseph. Okay. Yeah. I, I can, know. I can see that. No, I was just going to say, I can see that. I mean, Mickey's definitely on the rise. Mickey's definitely on the rise, and I think depending on what he does here, like if he – and, I and you know, I don't want to go, okay, if he's 76, well, what will he make a blah, blah, blah. I don't want to do that. I just want to say, like, if he gets to, you know, a bowl game, wins the game, if the team buys in, because you saw how excited they were for his win on Saturday night, you know, would I necessarily want to shake that up? I don't know if I would. I understand he's not a big name, but if the signs in recruiting, signs of winning, if all the signs point to success, I would at least give him a hard look. Yeah, I think he's got he's put himself in the conversation a little bit more. I don't think, you know, one win over Indiana is going to dramatically change things, but he, it does give him an opportunity to build some momentum. If you can beat Rutgers, if you can win some games in November, you know, I think he's going to have a chance to, you know, be in that conversation for sure. And <clears throat> the recruiting aspect of it is a big deal. And, uh, you know, like with Oklahoma kind of falling by the wayside, I think the Malachi Coleman thing is still wide open. I mean, he visited, he canceled his visit to Old Miss. He went to Miami this weekend and they're not looking good. Either. I mean, they've had some bad losses too. So it's like, I don't know, looking at it, like if, if Miami and Oklahoma are the biggest competitions, I, I still think this is a winnable battle for Malachi Coleman and Sean Callahan. I mean, just in terms of a couple of days ago from Husker online was saying he still thinks Nebraska is the team to beat. So 
I was looking at some crystal balls, and a lot of crystal balls are still in Nebraska's favor. So I don't know. The really? prediction machine because yeah. like the crystal balls are set. I like the on three prediction machine because it really uh, they, that's it, what I, I mean. The prediction machine, I yeah. But I mean, even so, both of them. I mean, there aren't any. You know, it's ninety eight percent Nebraska. Miami's the number two spot right now. But you know, and I, I mean, Mario Crystal Ball's a great recruiter. There's no question about that. But you know, their offense with Miami is not. I mean, hasn't looked any better than Nebraska. They just lost to. Uh, Middle Tennessee State. Yeah, and they got blown out, and they scored like seven or eight points. They did not score a lot of points in the loss to Texas A&M. So I don't know. I mean, it just doesn't seem like – it's just been a weird recruitment with Malachi Coleman because, you know, he is – you know, it's like Miami's getting in this thing late, but, you know, is that really the program that's going to steal him away from Nebraska? I mean, I I don't know. If if that was Georgia making that push or somebody like that, I'd be a little more worried. But, I mean, USC – you know, must have fallen off in this thing because he didn't make that visit there, and I don't really hear their name. So, I don't know, man. I mean, it's it's hard to imagine that he would come to Nebraska, but, I mean, the win, I think, on Saturday helps, and I think the fact that Mickey Joseph has a really strong relationship with him is helping, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, like, you kind of took the words out of my mouth. I think Mickey is the key to uh, Coleman even keeping Nebraska in the conversation. So, I'll be interested to see how it all plays out. I'll be interested to see how this all plays out. The co- the uh, coaching carousel this this season, you know, Nebraska recruiting. I mean, I don't want to jinx it too early, but I want to say that things might be looking up for Nebraska football. Yeah, I think it. You know, if you get a couple wins and then you get Malachi, you know, if you get to a bowl game, you get Malachi Coleman. I mean, you got to look at Mickey pretty hard. I know, rec- you know, you're, you should. You know, people, it might be, seem kind of stupid to hire someone based off recruits, but that's how you win in college football is getting recruits. If Mickey Joseph can get the recruits, then that's certainly a, you know, a point in his favor, you know, and he, I mean, the recruiting, I don't think people, you know, if you don't follow recruiting that well, I don't think it can, it can be overstated, like how competent Nebraska recruiting has gotten in the last two weeks. Scott Frost was clueless. He was an absolute buffoon when it came to recruiting. I mean, he didn't listen to the coaches in the state. He, I mean, he pissed off a lot of coaches. I mean, you know, they would be like, hey, you should offer this guy. Mickey Joseph just offered a, an unranked dude out of, um, you know, Omaha, you know, a 6'6 offensive tackle. And Nebraska's probably going to have a good chance of getting that guy now if they want him, whereas, you know, Nebraska would have just ignored him before, like they were ignoring a top 500 quarterback and the number four player in the 2024 class. And Scott Frost didn't have the time of day to tell didn't even know if he had a committable offer anymore. I mean, that's just, that's malpractice. Like, I'm sorry. But what Scott Frost was doing at Nebraska was recruiting malpractice. And Mickey Joseph has just done a complete 180 with the pro. I mean, the recruiting momentum for where the program's at right now is actually in a pretty good spot. I mean, he has the kid. Um, I'm blanking on the name, but he's committed to Iowa State. You know, he was there on Saturday night. Um, Tulane running back, you know, looks like they've got a good chance to flip him. So not only are they kind of. Arnold Barnes. Yeah, Barnes. Yep. And then um, it's like Nyogi. Yeah. I'm, I have to. I have to look up the name. People are going to kill me for this, but he's from Omaha. He's committed to Iowa State. He's a receiver, and Nebraska never recruited him very hard. Um, I think it's. But anyways, Mickey's really making some headway with those guys, and I just think it shows like this guy. He knows how to put together a recruiting operation because we've already seen it in these past two weeks. Well, I remember back in February, uh, you know, the coaching staff was kind of introduced to different high schools in the area and they went on this 
I don't know if you remember this, Chris, but they went on like this uh, tour to visit some local high schools. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all the, co- the entire coaching staff was there. And I forget which high school it was. I'm going to look up the article uh, while, while you make your point. But one of the coaches said, you know, it's good that these that all of the, all the coaching staffs are here. In previous years, we felt like Nebraska has completely kind of missed the boat on us and not paid enough attention to the high schools in the state. So it's good to see all the coaching staff here. And, you know, I think there's something to be said for that and what Mickey Joseph has done in trying to keep Nebraska kids home. Yes, and, uh, you know, I, I 100% agree. He's rebuilding that relationship. He's making offers. Um, you know, and he's he's visiting these kids. Now it's like Nebraska, uh, you know, they've been out and seen tons of prospects, committed prospects, you know, other prospects in the 2020. I mean, he's been out to see Malachi Coleman a number of times. Um, Benin Yogi, that's the receiver I'm talking about from Lincoln, who's committed to Iowa State, you know, and he's some people have been kind of, you know, up and but he's the number seventh ranked player in the state. He's out of Lincoln, 6'4, 180. And uh, trust me when I tell you that if Iowa State wants him, he's a good player because Iowa State has one of the best, you know, recruiting departments at evaluating talent. They don't offer guys. I mean, I'm not saying you're going to have a hundred percent success rate on every recruit. That's just not possible. It's like the draft, right? I mean, it's a, in, in, in evaluating high school recruiting, I think it's even harder than the draft because you're projecting 16, 17, 18 year old kids um, to, you know, college level programs. So that is kind of hard to do, but Iowa state has proven to be really good at it. And I think that would be a great win for Nebraska if they could flip that kid. Um, I like the Barnes running back too. I know his ranking's not, you know, when you look at his ranking, he's ranked in the 1300s, but man, he's got like, he's averaging like a couple, almost like two over 150 yards a game running the football this year. So I think that's a good senior evaluation. And, uh, you know, Nebraska's getting in there before, you know, any of the SEC teams kind of do it. So I think that's going to be a nice pickup and they're, they're going to need another running back in this class for sure. So, you know, I like a, a lot of the things, you know, where, it's headed and it seems like Nebraska actually has like a bona fide, you know, strategy of how to develop their recruiting class. It's nice, isn't it? It's really nice. And uh, I'll be interested to see what happens. Like I said, over the next couple months, what they do in recruiting, how they attack recruiting, if they are able to land any kids from Louisiana. I know Mickey went there during the bye week and, you know, he kind of, he um, visited some names who I am blanking on. There's just so many kids and so many rankings you know, he did go see O'Marion Miller was one, you know, and then the Barnes kid, I think, was another. But, yeah, there's there's a bunch he's been after. But, um, yeah, so I'm excited to see, you know, what he can do uh, and what this entire staff can do in recruiting. And, um, you know, if Nebraska keeps winning, it certainly makes it an easier sell. Yeah. And the crazy thing is Nebraska's got. So here's here's where we're at with the Malachi Coleman sweepstakes. If he doesn't change anything, he's so supposed to make a decision October 22nd, which would be Nebraska's second bye week because they've got um, Rutgers on Friday, uh, Friday night at Rutgers, and the next Saturday at Purdue, unless I'm mistaken. I believe that's what the schedule is. And then there's a bye week. So it kind of set, it's kind of nice. It kind of sets up well, um, you know, if Malachi's committing when Nebraska doesn't have a game. But, you know, I, I just, I'm not sure what to make of that. I just feel like if he was going to, you know, kind of if another team was going to, you know, steal in and, and kind of take that thunder, it would have happened already. I just don't know if there's enough time, you know. Also, I'll be interested to see if he sticks with that, you know, decision date, I guess is where, you know, I'm coming around to. Well, didn't he already change it once? 
He did, but it was like from October 15th to October 20th. So it wasn't like a massive change. I think he moved it back. Maybe he's using October 22nd to go down to Lincoln and make his commitment. That's what that's what people are saying. You know, they're like, oh, that can't be a bad move. You know, then Mickey's going to be able to be there for right. it, you know. Right. That's what I'm thinking. So, Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's there's a better chance, though, for sure. I mean, anytime you winning makes everything better. It makes, you know, it just makes all your problems go away. It makes recruiting better. It makes the state. I mean, I think you just feel like the large exhale Saturday night at the end of that game, like those last couple minutes, it was just. There was so much frustration built up. You know, I get that we fired Scott Frost, but I don't think people realize, remembered outside of Nebraska fans that this team lost six games in a row last year, you know, so. And not just six games in a row, six heartbreaking losses yeah. in a row. Yeah, and uh, I had to kind of start this year with a heartbreaker against, you know, Northwestern and then Georgia That's Southern. That's so long ago. It, it does, but it's crazy, though, that, Nebraska's two and three, and I mean, uh, you know, with the Big Ten West, it you know Minnesota looked like the big dog, and then they went to Purdue and got beat. Um, Iowa is still going to be in the mix, I think, but you know they lost to Michigan. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be a crazy kind of schedule. The Minnesota and Wisconsin, um, they both have to come to Lincoln. You know, Purdue is the Purdue's the game that I'm really worried about from a Nebraska perspective. You know, in these next couple of weeks. But and Illinois too, I guess I should, you know, Illinois just went to Camp Randall and kicked the crap out of the Badgers. So who's to say they can't come do the same, you know, in Lincoln in a few weeks? Brett Bielema runs a very tight ship. He's a very good coach. And, you know, they did that to us last year in the opener. So we'll see. I mean, everything, it seems like everything is up for grabs right now. And Nebraska is truly in control of their own destiny. Yeah, really. I mean, because their only loss right now is to Northwestern, and that team's not winning the Big Ten West. So, like, you know, it's if you were going to, like, preseason, if we were going to lose one game, obviously you want that loss to be to a team that's, like, lower down in the standings, even though it looks bad. But tiebreaker-wise, you know, it's going to be better than losing to, like, Purdue or, you know, any of these. Because I, I think Minnesota would still be my pick. Iowa, I still think, is going to be in the mix. Um, I, I'm not – I don't believe in Wisconsin, but it wouldn't shock me if they were, like, sitting there like five and three at some point you know they're consistent you know and then uh illinois you can't count illinois out or purdue i mean it's it's pretty wild how it's kind of shaky but that's how the big 10 west kind of always is it's just just kind of a shit show compared to the east the wild wild west the, the wild wild west the usc's licking their chops man they're like we can we'll, we'll be going to india every year <laughs> I know that the, the, they must be looking at it right now and just kind of kicking back, relaxing by their nice sunny palm trees in their pool, just realizing what they have. And I'll tell you what, it's going to be fun when you when USC comes. It's going to be a lot of fun. It may lead to pain on our part, but maybe that will cause us to elevate our game. Who knows? It's going to be a lot of fun. I hope so, man. You like? I hope that we can become like the Utah of the pack. Like you know, that'd be awesome. Everybody kind of thought Utah sucked for a while, and now they're like, damn, right? You know, I, I I, don't see why Nebraska can't be like that, though. You know, like Utah doesn't have – like I look back at Kyle Whittingham's recruiting classes, man. He's not getting like top 25 classes, but he's developing guys. He's got a badass defense. And, uh, you know, and then they hit on those – you know, a guy in the transport. I feel like that's – for like Nebraska and teams like that, it's like recruit, your, recruit and develop, and then – Every once in a while, I just have to get lucky in the transfer portal with a quarterback or, you know, whatever. And I feel like that's how, how you can win. But 
you got to be you got to be really good at something. I feel like defenses. I love I love Mickey. Uh, I would like to I would like to get like a defensive guru head coach, but at the same time, man, that doesn't mean that Mickey can't hire a great defensive coordinator either. I I'm not necessarily into. I don't want a head coach that calls plays. I'll just say that. Yeah, no, I mean, because head co- head coaches have way too many other responsibilities than to call plays. I understand they may want to, but that's just a lot to ask of them, I think. And, you know, I'll be um, interested to see how the defense continues to develop and evolve because we know the offense can do their job. We just need to see more consistency out of the defense and – Fortunately, we get to see a quick turnaround this week, so let's hope they can put together two strong games in a row. Yeah, and I think, you know, people, um, you know, kind of, I think people underestimated Bill Bush a little bit, you know, looking at his resume, and he's, he's been a coordinator before. He's, you know, coached around this game a lot, and, uh, you know, he, he did an exceptional job. I don't think he's a guy, you know, looking at that performance, he's a guy that Nebraska could use on the staff, whether it's back in special teams or the safeties or whatever it is. But, you know, he's a guy that I think you want around. I think you want Mickey and Applewhite. Um, I'm not I'm not even willing. I'm not saying we should give up on Loyola either because he's just been, you know, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit, right? And he's trying. He's doing the best job that he can. But uh, he's – and he's got to go out and recruit some guys. You know, so, you know, that'll be interesting to see. But I do think Mickey's got to, you know, win some more games because if we go back and we lose to Rutgers on Friday, it's going to be the same conversation that we were at this past week. You know what I mean? So we're gonna be the same sad two guys on Monday on, on Monday morning, yeah, talking about what we should have done, and let's hope not. But in Rutgers, there's no sludge. So we gonna yeah, we gonna see Noah Vedral again? Is that what is that what I was getting from your message? I think the other day? so because I think <laughs> I think um, the Rutgers quarterback got hurt in Saturday's game. I'm just checking it right now. Um, Gavin Gavin Wimsat. Gavin Wimsat. And he's a dude. He's like he's like the best quarterback Rutgers has recruited maybe ever. He's like yeah. he was uh for a while he was a borderline five star recruit, and uh, so yeah he 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 kind of gives me hope that they could not suck. I mean not hope I guess, but yeah. So he um he was not available for it says, and this was from Saturday. It says. Rutgers will be without Gavin Wimsett for the game at Ohio State. So that was this past Saturday, correct? Yeah, yep. And then uh, injury, uh, injury senior Noah Vedral, who has yet to play this year as a game-signed decision. Hmm. So that was last Saturday. And then it says, if Evan Simon starts, it had marked his third consecutive start for the Knights. So now I'm going to go check the box score, see what happened there. But the long-winded uh, point of this was to say that Rutgers may be having some quarterback issues heading into Friday night. So even if they get one of their more more talented guys back, Wimsat or Vedral, they're not. They haven't played yet this year. It doesn't sound like, which I didn't realize that. And we actually uh, we're going to bring on later on the week. We're going to bring on a Rutgers guy, so we'll get you a, a lot of great info on the Scarlet Knights. Um, so yeah, but they you know they got drilled by Ohio State. Not that. A lot of teams do that, but uh, one thing about Greg Schiano <laughs> teams, man, they fight. And did you see that fight after the game? He was going after Ryan, Ryan Day, Day. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, and the media made a huge deal out of it. Let's be honest here. Tensions yeah. run high on the field, and that includes coaches. I mean, sure, it looked good for the media to paint it as, you know, the next uh, 
Mayweather McGregor, but it wasn't that. It was just, you know, coaches intensity's high, emotions are high, and sometimes, you know, you gotta you gotta send your uh, season's greetings to the opposing coach um on the other sideline. So Yeah, apparently Ryan so there was like a fake punt or something mm. that Ryan Day called and Chiano didn't like it. And, you know, I get it, but I, I, apparently Rutgers had a really bad alignment on their punt for but it's like do you still need to run a fake when you're winning by a lot? Probably not. So, I mean, I can see it from both. I can see the argument of like, hey, we're going to play the game for 60 minutes. Like, that's what it is. But at the same time, it's, there's kind of like, you know, those like those unwritten rules in baseball type, type of thing, right? Like, if you're up by 40 or whatever, and I don't know the situation, I wasn't paying attention, but you probably should just punt the goddamn ball. You know what I mean? <laughs> but whatever. And let me say, the unwritten rules of baseball are bullshit. All the old heads get offended, but they're the reason why the game is as boring as it is now. And before I get off on my baseball rant, Evan Simon uh, played for Rutgers under center here on Saturday, 10 of 19 for 74 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. So I think uh, Rutgers may be hoping that uh, their starter is healthy for Friday. That's just my opinion. Although, as you said, Ohio State can make a lot of teams look better. I haven't. Uh, I'm interested. What do you think the line is going to be? I know you're not quite as into like the the stuff like like that, but just from judging Nebraska, like, do you think Nebraska is going to have a chance to be favored in this game? It's probably out already, but I haven't seen the um, the odds yet. They are probably out. They are usually out Sundays, right? Sunday nights is what I'm what I've been seeing. Sundays. I'm gonna I'm gonna check here and see what we got. I feel like. I just I feel like Nebraska is going to be favored in this game. That's just like my yeah Nebraska by two and a half points right now. That that sort of makes sense. I don't I could see that moving a little bit. You know I mean the fact that Rutgers is down to their third string quarterback maybe you know part of, has part to do with it. But on a short week, yeah, right. Nebraska. So yeah, and then it's uh, interesting. The over under is fifty one and a half. So, I don't know. What what are your first what are your first impressions in Nebraska as a two and a half point favorite? I like it because I think um, you know the the recipes are there for success: good defense, uh, balanced offense, good play. Uh, especially if the Rud- or if Rutgers uh, is down to their you know third or third string quarterback, you know I think this gives Nebraska an opportunity to really kind of take control of the game. Uh, the odds makers were right with Indiana. I thought the uh, Indiana uh, odds were a little bit um, ambitious, but as I often am, I was proven wrong. So, you know, I I I like it. I mean, I don't think it's going to be an easy game by any means. You know, Rutgers always plays tough. It's Friday night, but you know, I do like I do like our chances of winning by by that margin at least. Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, Nebraska's got momentum right now and Rutgers doesn't have it. And I think it's, you know, Rutgers doesn't have anybody like Anthony Grant or they don't have a Trey Palmer. They don't have a Casey Thompson that's healthy right now. So, I mean, you look at like just those couple things, those are pretty big advantages. And, you know, if this defense can play, you know, if the defense can just hold people to like 20, 21 points a game, which is pretty much what they did last year. You know they'll they'll win a lot of games. I mean, because this offense is is scoring better than they did a year ago. There's, I mean, this offense has definitely taken a step forward outside of the Oklahoma game. 
uh, which just kind of got away from everybody. I think we should just throw that in the trash. Uh, you know, offense, you know, just was a terrible kind of situation for the whole program to be in. But, I mean, this offense can score points. They can move the football. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, can this defense play complementary? And they, they did it on Saturday. Hopefully they can do it Friday night. It is going to be scary, though. I remember the last time we went to Rutgers on a Friday night, it was we had to rally back, and I think we won in overtime. Maybe it was the fourth No, game. it wasn't overtime. Hold on. That... I'm, I'm getting Michigan confused, but we had to come back, though, right? No, because the last time we won, hold on, the last time we won our right field, it was a Friday night. That was the night that Diedrich Mills and Adrian Martinez absolutely ran the shit out of the football. It was they cold. Did, it was, yeah, you're right. It didn't go to overtime, but we were down, though. I remember we were down like 10 points at some point, or at least a touchdown. I'm I'm taking a look at this, so keep filling the airwaves with content here while I search. But, uh, yeah, so – well, I'm thinking probably Wednesday we'll get uh, have some have our Rutgers guy come on here. His name's Aaron Brightman of the Scarlet Authority. He's uh, been covering Rutgers for a long time, so he'll be able to give us a good rundown. We'll talk about the game a little bit, but I mean, huge opportunity for Nebraska. He's, uh, three and three overall to get to two and one in the Big Ten. I mean, oh, I get excited. It's just it's awesome to have a win and to have something to like feel optimistic about and look forward to, and. Uh, because, man, if you win this next game, you get to three wins. I'm going to feel really good. You know, like that – I want that Purdue game to, like, be a big game. You know what I mean? I think that's a toss-up, honestly. I don't think that's a guaranteed win for Purdue. No, I don't think it is either. No, it's. I wish it was at home. You know, I feel a lot better if Purdue was coming to Lincoln. Than and Bell they don't anymore. have Rondell Moore and David Bell anymore, so that certainly helps. That's true. And uh, Aiden O'Connell's pretty good, but, you know – and uh, but yeah, they don't have the they don't have the receivers like they used to. So it's yeah, been... their receivers were really good. And that's uh yeah, I think Minnesota lost uh, Chris Altman Bell. I think he's out for the season, man. So that's I don't know things may be looking up, people. Uh, don't don't attack us for drinking the Kool Aid and coming yeah. our mentions. But I'm just saying things are looking up. Things are hey, facts are facts, man. Facts mm-hmm. are facts. Like Nebraska's tied for the Big Ten West lead. I'm not making that up. <laughs> I know I couldn't believe that. I that, I I I definitely remember sending a message on saying, "Is this right?" Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, as long as well, I'm like, as long as Penn State beats Northwestern, which they they did. So. Everybody's beating Northwestern now, except for us. Except God. for us. Sad, but, but we're looking forward. We're looking yeah. forward. It's a new day. Clearly, a new day, and you know we got Friday to look forward to. Yeah, Friday's gonna be fun, and man, it'll be, it will be nice. Are you nice. working? Are you working Friday? Yeah, I'm working Friday. Unfortunately, covering the high school, so I'm gonna have to. Uh, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna have the Husker radio network on and the earbuds while I'm watching the football game because I never miss a Husker game, no matter by hook or by crook. Like I will watch or listen or stream to the game somehow or some way. I don't. My employers already know that about me. I don't care. They just. You know, I can multitask, but I will never miss a Nebraska game. I don't give a crap. <laughs> I love it. You guys will probably see me tweeting uh, tweeting on Friday. Not see me tweeting, but watch me tweet, I guess, or follow my tweets on Friday. Thank you, as always, for the interaction on both of our accounts. I mean, you know, it is always more fun to do these things when you win. And let's hope for, dare I say it, I think it's called a win streak. A win streak. We a have not streak. had... We've not had a win streak in Nebraska for a long time. Well, so. I think the last time we had a win streak was when we beat Fordham and uh, one other trash team. 
probably like Northwestern last year, whatever. Fordham, and then they beat somebody else. Oh, no, you're right. You're right, because they lost to Oklahoma. So, yeah, Fordham. Yeah, it was like a two-game win streak last year. Fordham and who else? I'm gonna Buffalo? Look this... I think it was Buffalo. Yeah, it was Buffalo, because Kyle Van Trees. Yeah, because yeah, he came back. looked awful. So, yeah, man, you go from Fordham and Buffalo, which is the longest win streak of the – God, that was the longest win streak of the Scott Frost era. That's just – but to get a two-game win streak over Indiana and Rutgers still isn't great, but sounds a lot better yeah, than Fordham time. and it's Buffalo. Big play. Exactly. It's big play, so. every, every Big Ten win is a big one. I'll take it. You know? Absolutely. So – well, all right, folks, we're coming up here at the, the 7 o'clock hour in here in Mountain Time, 9 o'clock in uh, where Danny's at in Massachusetts. So uh, since we do have an early game this week, we'll try to get our next episode up on Wednesday. I'll reach out to our Rutgers guy, and we'll get you some great info going on to that matchup. But uh, make sure that you are checking out um, our content at huskerbigred.com and uh, thegreatcornholio.org. Um, you can find our written thoughts, which – you know, probably at times make a little more sense than what we're kind of jabbering out here. But, uh, yeah. you know, we love talking Husker football. So, you know, make sure you join us. Uh, subscribe to our podcast, Spotify or Apple. And uh, make sure you like this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss any of our Husker content. And, uh, you know, get in the comments section and, you know, let us know what you think. Because uh, we, we love interaction, as Danny said. So, you know, if you hit us up with some comments or questions, like we'll definitely, you know, debate with you, answer with you. And uh, we, we love nothing more than talking nebraska football so absolutely and you know it's gonna be it's exciting times are ahead i can feel it so i think it's gonna be a lot of a lot of good fun at least we have something to talk about we cannot talk about the coaching search for a little bit because right now i'm feeling pretty good about who our head coach is so we'll see how we're feeling next monday but uh this is a victory monday this is our first big 10 victory monday in a long time so everybody enjoy it out there Uh, Thanks for tuning in, and as always, go Big Red. Go Big Red.